Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Paradiso Written by Ben Arrington Narrated by Josh Curran The moon The inconstant Yet an experiment were you to try it Could free you from your cavil And the source of your arts course springs from experiment Jerome felt his weightless body skim across the surface of the moon like a stone that had been tossed from a delicate hand. Each time his feet bounced from the dust and he floated upwards, his body lingered in the low gravity before he returned with a thud. He wasn't wearing a suit, and although his chest felt tight, he was breathing relatively easily. With each deep breath he took... His body fizzed as he felt his blood pump around his veins with vigour. The headaches that usually blighted his every waking moment had given way, allowing his thoughts to race for the first time in a long while. It wasn't just the headaches. The pain in his joints wasn't there either. It felt like he was floating in a bubble, the invisible protection surrounding him keeping him safe within. 
almost as if he had returned to his mother's womb, his life cycle reversing. He looked up at the sky, the creeping, never-ending ink flecked with the light of distant stars. He felt small and inconsequential, as if the universe as a whole had not noticed his existence up until this moment. A gargantuan picture that he couldn't fathom the true nature of. He was dying, but in this moment, he felt truly alive. The room flickered to life around Jerome's head. He moved to look at the source of a brilliant artificial light that hovered in the middle of the ceiling. He felt sick, the clear plastic headset he was wearing crushing his head despite its minimal weight. He was lying in a bed in an almost empty room with white walls. Several pieces of white furniture dotted around what was essentially a minimalist's wet dream. Jerome could also smell the faint odour of bleach. Someone was standing in the far corner of the room, looking out an open window onto the city below. The sky was gloomy, and Jerome could hear an airplane descending in the distance with a low rumble. Jerome tried to speak, but his mouth was dry. Another person, dressed from head to toe in slate grey, his black hair licked back and an impeccably groomed beard on his angled chin, walked into view and placed a glass of water on the table at the end of the bed. Jerome tried to move his feet, but he couldn't. The white-pressed linen he was lying underneath was pulled taut across his body. The man in grey began studying a clipboard. You're very responsive, Jerome, he said, smiling. The most responsive of any of our patients so far. The pain is subsiding, no? Jerome nodded slowly. It's a miracle, the person looking out of the window said softly. It must be. The man in grey looked away from the clipboard and over towards the source of the voice. Perhaps, he said. The person across the room looked away from the window. Jerome recognised him as Eric, the man who he had spent almost three decades of his life with, the man he loved. Nothing else has helped, Eric said. He's been in agony every day for months. I don't understand. The man in grey laughed joylessly. It made Jerome feel uneasy. Jerome's pain receptors are overactive, he explained. The virtual reality treatment is distracting them. Although not blocking them, it's slowing them down considerably. It's as if Jerome is asleep. His subconscious mind is doing most of the heavy lifting. Eric walked across the room and to the side of Jerome's bed. He placed a warm hand on Jerome's forehead. We must continue the treatment, the man in grey said. I'll prepare the next cycle. Mercury, the ambitious. For some oppose the universal emblem with yellow lilies. Others claim that emblem for party. It is hard to see who is worse. Jerome was alone in a vast desert. Sand dunes surrounded him like the sloping walls of a coliseum, and he stood solitary and still in the centre of a colossal plinth of plateaued sand. 
he didn't feel hot, which was strange. As the sun sat high and proud in the sky, beaming down with a ferocious intensity that made Jerome squint. He took a step forwards and felt himself propel into the air, wind scooping him up like a winged insect and dropping him back down onto the ground, precisely almost 50 feet away from where he had been previously standing. Jerome laughed heartily and bounded around even more, his legs acting as powerful pistons. He stopped in his tracks as he felt a boom beneath his feet, somewhere deep below the surface. He stepped backwards and watched as the sand in front of him began to rise up into an enormous mound before parting and revealing a glass structure of unbelievable complexity begin to form, reaching out of the ground and up towards the bright sky. A glass castle of pink and gold stood hundreds of feet tall and glittered like a diamond, a man whom could not be identified from ground level hovering above the construction. The Empyrean! The stranger shouted. His voice was shrill and resonant at the same time. Jerome was confused as to how he could hear him so clearly. Although your faith has been tested, he continued, the true home of all the blessed exists, a place of pure light beyond time and space. Look for the rose, and you will understand. Jerome shook his head. The man sounded like every other priest and holy man or woman he'd heard preach to him since his diagnosis. He had committed himself to abandoning such words. As fast as a bullet, the man flew down from upon the glass structure like an owl hunting a mouse and grabbed hold of Jerome, taking him from his feet. Venus, the lovers. The world, when still in peril, thought that, wheeling, in the third epicycle, Cyprian, the fair, sent down her rays of frenzied love. Your faith, your faith defines you, the man said, his mouth barely moving, as if he were a ventriloquist's puppet. He had dark skin and small eyes that pulsated with a strange light, as if dozens of galaxies were trapped within them. Exactly, Jerome sneered, and that's the problem. I can't let it be that way. The man did not respond. He looked thoughtful. Jerome tried to remove the hand from his shoulder, but the man's grip couldn't be moved. Jerome instead skulked away and began to walk backwards. You aren't supposed to be here, are you? Jerome asked. For the first time within this manufactured reality, he felt scared. Jerome began to move further away from the man, as if somebody was pulling a rope that was wrapped around his waist. Clouds began to disperse, and Jerome could see the landscape of sand below him. As he looked up, the man was gone. In that moment, he began to fall. The sun, the wise. My words did not prevent your seeing clearly that it was as a king that had asked for wisdom that would serve his royal task. Jerome hurtled towards the ground, the wind giving way to blistering heat that surrounded him like a fireball. He could feel it now, the immediate and extreme change in temperature. It was hot, 
but he could withstand it. Were it to grow any hotter, Drone was sure that he'd be able to peel his skin away from his body like a piece of overripe fruit. He stood purposefully on the surface of the sun. Colours of orange and red marbled beneath his feet, a swell of lava threatening to spill. Jerome struggled to open his eyes, a gnawing hunger opening up what felt like a terrible void in his stomach. He couldn't move his limbs at all now, although he wasn't being restrained. He had no strength left. Eric hadn't left the room. He sat on a chair and was closer now, reading a trashy magazine in his lap. He had the remnants of a smile on his face, but he looked exhausted. Jerome licked his lips, and the minuscule movement caught Eric's attention. Eric walked over to the bed, loosened the sheets that pinned Jerome to the bed, and pressed a button out of sight. The bed began to rise, sitting Jerome up. He felt like he could vomit, but resisted, waiting a few seconds as the nausea subsided. I'm hungry, Jerome groaned. I know, I know, he responded. But you have to keep an empty stomach until the cycles are completed. I told you this. Jerome couldn't remember exactly what it was Eric had said, but he was sure of one thing at least. It's nothing like you said it would be, Jerome announced. There aren't any beaches or sunrises or walks in the countryside. It's all so strange. Eric stood up straight. He placed the magazine that he had been clutching in his hand at the foot of the bed. It's to help you, Eric confirmed. Not just with the pain, but with what we discussed after your diagnosis. Jerome's eyes darted around the room. What? he asked. Your faith, Eric explained. You're bitter and angry. I understand that, but your faith is what got you through all your troubles before this illness, and it's what will get you through this. Get me through? Jerome questioned, his breathing laboured. It's terminal, Eric, terminal. Eric placed a hand on Jerome's forearm. Calm down, Jerome, he pleaded. No. Jerome refused. It was never supposed to be like this. I told you how I felt. You're forcing this upon me. I don't want it. Jerome used all the strength he had to reach up towards his face and push the headset up and over his skull, sitting up slowly as it bounced down onto the bed and then the ground. His chest felt tight and his legs barely moved, wires linked to unseen machines tangling around his wrists. He cried out in pain. Eric walked towards the door without a word, rapping on the small glass window. He stepped out of the way as several orderlies entered, dressed all in grey as the man with the clipboard had been. They pushed Jerome back onto the bed, holding him in place with little effort as one of them injected Jerome in the neck with an unknown substance. Jerome watched Eric's face drift out of focus as his eyes became glazed with a milky film. Mars, the warriors of the faith. You shall leave everything you love most dearly. This is the arrow that the box of exile shoots first. You are to know the bitter taste. The code is corrupted.
a withdrawn voice uttered in the darkness. Jerome recognised it, the matter-of-fact words of his father, the man who had been ravaged by stomach cancer almost a decade before, a passing which Jerome had found it strangely easy to come to terms with. How could the voice of his father be mimicked so accurately? Jerome felt his stomach flip over as he again began to fall. Jupiter, the just rulers. Then, having formed the M of the fifth word, those spirits kept their order. Jupiter's silver, at that point, seemed in boast with gold. Although your faith has been tested, he continued, the true home of all the blessed exists, a place of pure light beyond time and space. Look for the rose and you will understand. Jerome watched from afar as a rose bloomed and caught fire, flames flickering in the dark. He felt his heart begin to slow. Saturn, the contemplatives. She did not smile. Instead, her speech to me began. Were I to smile, then you would be like Semele when she was turned to ashes. Jerome crawled up a staircase, his face closer to the pearly stone. He began to laugh, the visual such an obvious metaphor for an ascent to heaven. You've got to try harder than that, he cried out, at nobody in particular. He wasn't sure who would be listening. He laughed, but they soon subsided, and he began to sob. Jerome wasn't sure if he was awake or on the edge of a lucid dream. Worse still, he could still be within the tortures of the virtual reality, the world that had been designed to soothe and calm him, but was now corrupting his already damaged psyche. His body throbbed with pain unlike anything he had felt before. He would scream if he could, but his lungs were only just coping with the shallow breaths he was taking. His brain felt like it had swollen to twice its size. He's rejecting the treatment completely, the man in grey said. He was holding the clipboard close to his chest. His vitals are dropping drastically. I don't think he has long left. Is he in pain? Eric asked quietly. It's hard to tell, the man in grey explained. But given what we know at this stage, I'd say yes. There's just no way we can tell anymore. Eric began to sob. Jerome soared on waves of agony, but couldn't utter a sound. It was as if he was paralysed. He screwed his eyes closed. We'll load up another cycle, the man in grey said. It's all we can do for him now. As Jerome opened his eyes once more, he saw Eric looking directly at him, his eyes black and a thick smoke surrounding his head like a horrific halo. Jerome sunk into the bed and fell down into the depths of darkness, grasping for air. The fixed stars. Faith, hope, and love. Thus I began again. My charity results from all those things whose bite can bring the heart to turn to God. Thus I began again. 
My charity results from all those things whose bite can bring the heart to turn to God. The world's existence. I don't need to find God. Jerome spoke, his voice reverberating. He was in darkness again. I may have lost my faith, he explained, hoping more than ever that somebody was listening. But I'm not afraid. I am at ease with what comes next. Surely that is beyond whatever you consider to be true faith. The Primum Mobile. The Angels. But now men go to preach with jests and jeers. And just as long as they can raise a laugh, the cowl puffs up and nothing more is asked. Jerome felt considerable pressure on his face. He had no strength left to fight. There was nothing he could do to stop it. His arms flailed slowly and desperately, fingers searching for something to grab hold of. The tips of his fingers probed around a wet face, smearing tears over cheeks. Jerome knew it was not an act of evil being committed by Eric, but an act of kindness. The Empyrean. The love that calms this heaven always welcomes into itself with such a salutation to make the candle ready for its flame. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Parody to Sew was written by Ben Errington, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Doc and Lena Stalianina and Tom Robson. So, a big, fat family welcome to our two new patrons, Greg Wilk and Lisa Xavier. Without your support, we wouldn't be able to make this show. It's as simple as that. The only thing that keeps these wheels moving is yours and our regular patrons' constant support. If you'd like to become a patron, go over to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as a quid. In other news, we will be drawing the names from the hat in two weeks. If you want to be in with a chance to win a print edition of The Other Stories Year One, it's a big, nice book. It collects 400 pages worth of 50 plus short stories. If you want to be with a chance to win that, go to hawkandcleaver.com and sign up to the main list today. Or go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawkandcleaver and find the relevant information there. Until next time. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.